Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome, everyone, to our final show of the year. Yep, it's that most wonderful time of the year with the Christmas holidays ahead. And, of course, it's that time of year when you come down with allergies and a little cold. So I think my allergies have been upgraded to a cold, but I promise not to sneeze on anybody, and if I have to cough, I'll turn away. But I want to start off with my honorable mentions. Uh, since our last show... We've had some tears as well as cheers. Let me let me mention somebody who is very dear to me, the first president I ever took care of, and that was our 41st president of the United States, former President George Herbert Walker Bush. We lost him on November 30th. He was an amazing man. He died at the age of 94. I was his Navy White House physician for the last year of his presidency. And I will always remember his kindness, his humility, his decency. And he had an amazing background, as you as, as they have talked about <clears throat> in his funeral proceedings, that at the age of 18, he enlisted in World War II. He didn't have to. He was in college. But he enlisted. He signed up. The story about his plane being shot down over uh Ichi, the name of the uh, Okinawan island, and then the two other people never came back. He clung on to a life raft for about four hours, and then a submarine found him. And at the time of his passing, I was really touched by his granddaughter, the post from Jenna Bush Hager, who talked about how she had sat with her grandfather in the final months of his life. And she said, Poppy, they called him Poppy or Pop. They said, Poppy, are you, are you afraid to die? This is a good question, right? Somebody 94? And he said, you know, I used to be afraid of dying, but I'm not afraid anymore because I actually look forward to it. And he said he looked forward to seeing, most of all, his little girl Robin, who had died at the age of three of leukemia. And one of the things that Jenna Bush Hager remembers her grandfather saying when they talked about how much they loved each other. Her, the three-year-old little girl that passed, that really broke the heart of George Herbert Walker Bush, had a saying that she would tell her daddy, I love you more than tongue will tell. And it just made me choke up when I heard that. And this is the year I lost also my father, who was 94. And so I see the greatest generation passing before us. And I don't think we'll ever get that back, a generation of incredible humility and achievement and decency who fought for this country, who who died for this country. So you have that, you have the sorrow of tears at this time of year that you look back and you also have cheers and I call it, it's the circle of life. On December 2nd, I welcomed or we welcomed into our family our third grandchild and I know they're listening in, uh, baby Aubrey Marie Stevens and her father and mother Andrew and Aaron Stevens are listening in, and I don't know if her big sister Addison and brother Alex are listening in, unless they're taking a nap, but my love and greetings to you. I also want to have honorable mentions to my friend Dr. Carla Lamb at the Leahy Clinic in Boston. She listens in. In California, I have dear friends Mark and Ginny Wetterow. I wish you friends a Merry Christmas, but especially my prayers for a blessed, healthy, healthy New Year. To Sissy Saylor, she's another friend in Scottsdale, she listens in. She shared an amazing Facebook post where she had an advent calendar of kindness. Because you know, the advent calendar each day had something. And in it, she had acts of kindness throughout the month. And I really believe in that. People talk about random acts of kindness. And I really make a point of being deliberately kind to everyone. Because it makes a difference, especially in this world where you can see a lot of turmoil and division. December is my favorite month of all because it's before Christmas. I love Christmas. I love giving gifts. I actually love giving gifts more than I like receiving them. And there are studies show that it is better to give than receive because your endorphins are higher when you give versus receiving. Holidays, the Christmas holidays, evoke a lot of memories in me. 
I, I, I love the colors, the bright lights, the scents, but most of all, I love the sounds of Christmas, the music. And now I know, but one of my complaints was they, they started all the Christmas music like right after Halloween. Guys, that's a little too early for me, but you know, I, I can live with that. I, I, I put on the tunes, especially during the month of December, because I want to enjoy the experience of Christmas. You ever wonder what would life be like without sound? without music? What would our lives be like other than silent, right? And I ponder things like <clears throat> when we're in our mother's womb, what do we experience? You know, nobody writes about that, right? They can only postulate. What do we hear? And I, I, I imagine that in utero, if we can see, the fetus can see, the first things they would see in that watery rim are their fingers, their hands. But I think I would postulate they hear or sense a beat. It's the bass beat of their mother's heartbeat. And so the story that comes to mind, this is about 30 years ago this month. The, one of our guests today, Jason Stevens, is my youngest son. I was six months pregnant. And Jason's father and I were in San Francisco attending a law firm party. And there was this awesome band playing at the hotel. And I was wearing my nice party dress with my big tummy with Jason inside. I knew I was going to have a boy. My, my ex-husband didn't know, but he didn't want to know, but I knew it was a little boy. <laughs> so the band was really having a great beat, and the baby was going nuts. He was like jumping, jumping. I, I was so uncomfortable. I had to leave the dance floor. I, I was like, I cannot do this. This is too much. This kid's going nuts. <laughs> and it so happened, seven, eight years later, he became a bass musician. He came up to his, myself and his father and said, I want to be a bass musician, out of the blue. So he stuttered under an amazing uh, instructor in Washington, D.C., and was really a talented bass musician. We're going to talk about him. But I think about early in life how music is so important, how it impacts us, the sound, the tone. It'll take you back in time. When I listen to music from the 60s and 50s, I'm not a 63-year-old lady sitting in my car listening to these tunes. I'm back when I was 18. I'm 19. I'm living life again. And I find it interesting. There was a study, oh gosh, maybe 30, 40 years ago. It might have been the guys at Harvard. And it was a house study where they took a group of people and they put them back in time in this weekend house where the decor, the music, the television, the food were 20, 30 years prior. So they measured, <coughs> excuse me, they measured their vision, their agility, their blood pressure before they got into the house and they measured it during and after. And what they found out is when they went to the house of 20, 30 years ago and listened to the music and walked up and down the stairs of this old house, what we thought was old, and listened and saw TV of 20, 30 years ago, they saw better, their agility was better, they were younger. The other thing is if you go to nursing homes, retirement communities, if you play music of their era, like swing, 1940s, 50s, people are happier, they're younger. Your soul is ageless and it listens. And I think a lot of ways the soul responds to music. In a lot of ways, music is the voice of the soul. I really believe that's true. So when I think of Christmas, I think of all these tunes and I'll hear certain sounds now or certain tunes that I bring back memories. I know that when my mom passed away four years ago, Kelly Clarkson's song, Wrapped in Red, they were playing that and the entry to that song, I would start crying because that was the song. I play back and remember when my mom was in a coma and dying. I relive that, listening to music. I relive that moment. And then if they have Brenda Lee rocking around the Christmas tree, I want to pick up one of my grandkids and start dancing around and get all jolly and dance around. So it impacts your mood, your mentation, your whole being. I mean, what would life be without music? So I always think how beautiful that is. So today, my Christmas holiday gift to my listeners is a really special treat. I have two amazing people here, and I think it turned out that their lives sort of intertwine because we look at music and we look at business and the talent in business. So my first guest today is somebody I've known for probably 13 years. His name is Harry Slale. He is a man of many, many talents. He is a serial entrepreneur, among other things. He's an owner of three companies. He's a CEO of a tenant property protection company, a protection plan for tenant stored property and of self-storage facilities. He's also chairman, sales marketing director, and mentor at Michaels Wilder, which is a full-service advertising digital agency and principal at S2E Solutions for attracting, developing, retaining top talent. 
but Harry has an amazing background in music. Now here he is, professional businessman, serial entrepreneur, but he has an intimate relationship with music that takes him from when the high school days in San Antonio to where he is now. So Harry, welcome to our show today. Thanks for being in studio. Thanks, Connie. Enjoyed being here, and you're talking my language when you talk music. And I was thinking when you said, uh, how did you how did you ever first get into music? I remember my dad giving me a turquoise transistor radio when I was 10, 11 years old, I think. And the darn thing would always, you know, I'd listen to it and put it under my pillow under the covers. And, of course, the batteries would always wear out in the morning. I finally got mad one day. My dad was a musician himself, <coughs> brought me a big old bag with all kinds of batteries. And what I do remember, I can see it, the little turquoise one is... The first thing I could remember where I could date myself was the uh, day the music died or Buddy Holly's plane, plane crash, 59, I was so, and I was listening. I knew I listened to Buddy Holly then, mm. and I could remember that, and I was so stunned hearing that coming out of that little, little baby transistor yeah. radio. And so uh, for me, that started music, and music, I was telling somebody the other day, makes me very emotional even when i used to play drums i i would emote meaning i could feel sometimes not actually crying but behind my eyes kind of for a song i really liked or something good or even when we had a good singer some uh, slow song that a uh, georgia for example that you'd like it and i i think if i remember this quote right music uh, expresses what you cannot say but what cannot be silenced and that's the great Victor Hugo 1802 to 1885 I think it's I'm gonna start having that on the show because I think it's a very cool way to look at music but what a beautiful quote yeah how did you get into drums how did that start up well I I wanted the girls and so I no. saw Ricky Nelson when I was about 14 on TV now he wasn't playing any drums he had a guitar but I could see the girls I guess they had what was <laughs> called a poodle's skirt mm -hmm. I don't know what I don't know yeah, what a poodle, but I think that's what it's it was got a poodle on that white yeah skirt. it was it was the Ozzie and Harriet show and of course he was a great looking guy and I, I'd watch him and play watch him play and I think man you get you it sounds great because I already love music you've got the girls so I got to play music I, I want to play music but I didn't have any interest in playing guitar for some reason I just wanted to play drums and it just so happened that a very good friend of mine in high school his brother was a drummer for a famous band from El Paso called Bobby Fuller he was a guy that got murdered out in Los Angeles but he had a number two hit I fought the law in the country yeah, I remember that. and so Ty and I would ditch school together as all good musicians do and one day he was, we were driving went down to the river it was actually El Paso where I grew up and he said you know you're going to keep playing drums you love to play drums just like i do but you're going to end up going off in business and i'm going to be a rock and roll drummer for my whole life he's been a rock and roll drummer for his whole life he was inspired by ricky nelson and he went out to la and became a studio musician and when he was out one day he got to call to audition for ricky nelson and so he went with his guys audition they got the job and he told me i'll never forget the night opening at the houston astrodome for about fifty-five thousand people with ricky nelson ricky nelson walked across the stage and said i'm ricky nelson he goes yeah really you're the re you're the reason i'm playing music so wow. that's I, I just wanted to play the drums that's how i got into it wow how'd you get into business then uh my dad beat the heck out of me all the time about business business i said don't talk to me about business i'm not interested i don't want to sell <coughs> my poor dad he was a he was a crazy business guy great business guy so finally i i don't it was i couldn't even we don't have enough time to tell you all the ways that we got in but i do i will i do remember this that i like competition i think i was uh, when i was about 10 or 11 my dad got me this little basketball uh, it was a little kind of a little toy set and you would hit either side and it'd be a ping pong ball going either way so i put my own fantasy league together i put all the nba teams that they had in those days the celtics uh syracuse nationals etc and then i kept all the scores played all the games and then when i was about oh i don't know about 16 or 17 i just i wanted to earn some money so through the years i guess it just i don't think i really honestly knew what it took to get into business or got into business till i was probably mm, uh, i'd say 27 or 28 when i was a junior in uh college 
I had a friend of mine who was a pretty good jock, good uh, disc jockey is what I mean, great shows. And so what we did was we, bo we bought time in Mexico on a radio station because it had a huge signal that could just blast the local stations. And there was no rules, of course. The FCC is what guarded all the stations. And my dad was in radio and television, so I kind of knew that. So I sold all the airtime. We'd take it over to Juarez, and if the guys weren't... Uh, um, let's say uh, inhaling different things or <laughs> drinking too much beer or whatever, we might get the right show on for the right day. So I guess I started that way and it, just slowly but surely. But probably I used to tell my dad I was working hard. He just kind of look at me like, yeah, I don't think so. Finally, about Monday, I was about 30. I had a clothing store and he came in one day and said, now I see that you know how to work. So from then, I just like business I'm an, and I'm aggressive and I like to take risk. And that's what you need to be when an entrepreneur. But I'm very stubborn, very bulldogish. So. And you're not afraid, are you? No, you're pretty. Not. Yeah, pretty brave. How did the name Michael's Wilder come to be? Well, uh, my partner was Michael, and my middle name is one of my middle names is Wilder, and we were working with this other group. We decided to leave the group and come up with a name. We had 24 hours to come up with a name. We kept throwing them around, throwing them around. His name, my name. Finally, we had. <coughs> We we just sounded right, and it was first we had Michael Wilder, and it didn't sound right to us, so we just threw the S in, and there it was. So it sounds like a good law firm, even though it's an ad agency. Oh, but Wilder is such a great name. Wilder Music, Perfect. Wilder Side, Wilder Wisdom. So we're going to take a little pause, a three-minute break for our, our uh, commercial, and we're going to come back with Harry Slale, uh, an entrepreneur, businessman. But what we will discover in the next part of our, our show is that he is also has his own radio show, Radio Wilder. So stay tuned for more on Dr. Connie's House Calls. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's one 346 9141 You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. I am so delighted to have in studio today as our Christmas gift to you, Harry Slale, who is an entrepreneur, owner of many businesses, but we also have... Terry Anderson, his son-in-law, who is very supportive, and his beautiful wife, Marlene. So they're here to cheer him on. We also want to do a special shout-out or honorable mention to his very talented, smart, savvy daughter, Shelly Anderson, who's out there with her clients. She's an amazing, incredible woman. But as we were talking about Harry getting into drums and music and also business and just meeting people and and progressing, did you ever get lessons in, in drums? I had two. I started on my own, and then my father, who was a, a professional musician, said, why don't you just go take some lessons? And so when I went over there, to, and by the time I heard enough about paradiddles and rim shots and stuff, I said, I just want to go play rock and roll and see the girls, that's all. So I went right back and just, I, I never was a, uh, I didn't like to practice drums by myself, but I love practice with a band. I always played better that way. So I, I guess it was just, that that's how it was and you find your your spot and my spot always was i concentrated on having (coughs) good meter always good meter and then later on when we got into what what was my best band i played about five different ones Mm -hmm. and the last one was one was one of the greatest bass players i've ever seen he was fabulous and he would he helped me just working where the two of us had that bottom end because that's really what what you're hearing or like as you talked about the baby you're the lead guitar players the other people when they take off into heaven playing their yeah. leads they come back to us and you you want to have it and so it's not as easy as you think to keep perfect meter uh, and or close to perfect meter and but that's what you that's what i strive for and then you learn things like when i first started to play i was a little heavy on the cymbals and did a few things a little too many fills rolls to where you just get to where you just want I wanted anyways to just just to be that solid solid foundation so with your talent as a musician professional drummer mm-hmm. in your business how did you get into what you do you know for your what you love to do which is your podcast about music how did that come to be how do we how did you get radio wilder well part of it's your fault if you don't remember I'll take credit for that but uh, I, two, two reasons. It, it actually started as a digital diary for my daughter. And people would come over to my house, and since I never stopped listening to music, I would have stuff 2016, 2017. I had my favorite. Of course, I like the Beatles the best and Stones and some other. But there's some good stuff today. And they'd come over, and I just have always had my inventory on shuffle. So people would say, what, what channel is that on Sirius? Or what is that? I said, it's not a channel. And that'd be my musician friends. It's just my stuff. And I have weirdo things that you wouldn't even know what they are. I, have, I make up stuff like Harry's Homesick Collection. When I was a little kid in a boarding school, uh, I would stay at my grandfather's. And then when they take me back to school, it was a school here in town, Judson. When they take me back, I'd be kind of down. I was in seventh grade or so. So I'd go into the canteen. I'd go to the jukebox. And put my, I guess, nickels in or whatever, and hear just these songs, and I can still remember them. So uh, I call my Harry's Homesick Collection because that's what they were. But uh, so that was one part of it. And the other part of it, people said, You've got a very interesting life, and you're pretty eclectic, and you ought to write. Uh, I said, No, I don't want to. I do marketing, I write advertising, do all that stuff. And so, uh, in fact, 
the person right across from me, Dr. Connie, told me one time, you ought to write, you need to write. Your and story. She, and she yeah. said, I've got a literary agent in New York. I said, I don't want to do that. And So long story short, my son-in-law who's with us, Terry Anderson, he's a, he's a uh, podcast guy, loves podcasts, understands all kinds of stuff that I don't understand, Adobe software, all those kinds of things. So we are just noodling around one time. I thought, I wonder if I could put my music on because people like it. Well, we didn't do, ever do anything. I said, I don't, know what, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know anything about podcasts. But a year and a half ago, we we're up in Taos, and we started talking about it, and we just said, eh, let's give it a try. So we're, this is to show you how much we didn't know, even the two of us. It was about July 4th. We said, we'll have something up on August 15th. Well, we didn't have anything up on August 15th. But we did make something by September 22nd. And I remember we had six yellow page directories and one little mic a little Zoom recording device, and that's how it started. That's how and it starts somewhere. I wanted to leave it for my daughter and tell her stories and yeah. stuff that she would be able to have. And after about two months, one day Terry came to me and said, do you know the show's in five countries? I said, what do you mean, counties? He said, no, countries. And I couldn't believe it. And it was just all internet, and, and it has grown now in 14 months, and it's uh, it's 70 years of rock, because it's certainly wow. not me. And it, it's in 33 countries and over 600 cities around the world, and it's growing almost on a weekly basis. So how do people tune in to you? Well, you can, there's several ways. You can go to our we, uh, the regular website, which is RadioWilder.com, and that has all the shows on demand, et cetera. And you can go to iTunes, look us up under podcast with the search of Radio Wilder. We're on Spotify. So all those different things are recent developments, and I think we're about to get on Pandora. So... Now, I've had a very good friend of mine who's a world-class sound engineer, and he and I knew each other as kids, and he thinks, because I'm a nut, that the show needs to go out, and they need to see me and my alien son, Grayson, mm -hmm. and so we'll be doing some live stuff on Facebook and YouTube about February or March. So How exciting. It's just growing, and my daughter's happy now. I told her one day, I said, yeah, it's a show now. I can't just talk about stuff about you all the time. But so. you love it, don't you? Oh, Yo, I you love it. You it's, love it, it's and the joy. things that you do, and it's all those things. When you think of all the music that you've listened to, what songs come to mind? What, and what musicians come to mind? Too eclectic and too many to even yeah, say that, yeah, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I listen to all kinds of stuff. I mean, I'm a rock and roller, but uh, my dad owned a country western station. My dad owned a Spanish radio station, and I was a janitor at the country western station at night whenever I decided to show up. And I can still be hear myself going down the hallway with a dust mop. <laughs> that used to have that, I don't know, it's kind of a oily thing where you can pick up the dust. Mm -hmm. And I can hear, my baby left me, she treated me wrong. <laughs> I used to say, I hate that stuff. <laughs> but it's, uh, and, and my dad would bring uh, almost like Grand Ole Opry's to town, Johnny Cash sure. and Brenda Lee and Patsy Cline. But I just didn't care about it. But I've had a much greater appreciation as I've gotten older and uh, enjoyed it. But I couldn't pick any. I mean, if you ever said, what's the greatest band? Of course, I'd say the Beatles. But I love everything, really, honestly. For the holidays, the when you think of Christmas, what songs do you love to listen to? Mm, I don't know. Maybe the sad ones. Really? Yeah. yeah they touch you. Yeah, they, they get. But I like them all. I, yeah. I do. I, I think they're. I, I will have to just say one second about uh, my Christmas. I went 35 straight years in a row without having Christmas at home. And I think that's some kind of a record. Wow. And it's because of two beautiful wives. Uh, Marlene wanted to go visit her mom every year in yeah. El Paso, so that was 20 years. And then my other wife, Diane, she said, I'll marry you. We'll go get married. I met her at the Super Bowl. She's my Super Bowl wife. And you have to go to New Orleans every Christmas with me. Is that cool with you? I said, yeah. So last year was our first year at home for Marlene and I. We went crazy. We went to this company and I just got lights all over the place. The Griswolds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now we're having Christmas parties at our house. Good so, for you. Yeah. Good for you. I like the. I, I agree with you. I like the holidays when yeah. when it swings near Thanksgiving yeah. and gets around there. I get in a really good mood and I like it all the way through. I mean, I am. I I, I don't like. I did a show on uh, called uh, Black Friday because I work Black Friday and. I think it's too premature for all the stuff I agree with you. Let's yeah. let's have seasons. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I admire you that you've got a very successful business. You're a businessman, but yet you have time for the art 
of music and you love music and you contribute it. Your podcast, you fund it, you do it, you touch a lot of people. Any advice to musicians out there? Uh, just enjoy doing what you're doing. Just be natural and have a good flow and don't be stilted. And not too many musicians I know are stilted and there are uh, people that read music and people that don't and they can still interact and play together. And you're some of the greatest musicians in the world that cannot read music. Yeah. And I was thinking, you, one of your questions, I didn't know if you were going to ask it or not, what musician would I like to interview or talk mm -hmm. with that's dead? And it would be a toss-up between Buddy Holly and uh, Charlie Patton. Charlie Patton was a blues. One of, he's, he's probably the godfather of Delta Blues. Mm -hmm. He was born in 1890-something and lived to about 1934. He's a really strange, hoarse, tough, yeah. gruff voice. Yeah. Those, one of those two, probably but it Buddy Holly. You. Yeah, but it touches you. Right. So, what advice would you give for business people out there? It's hell. It's tough. <laughs> uh, I, I'd have to say it, it depends what kind of business person you want to be. If you're an entrepreneur, my best advice: you really have to be fearless yeah. and very aggressive. And I like to go to the worst case scenario. <laughs> think about what could happen. So I know when my brain gets out there what to deal with, then I back away from it. Otherwise, you're cynical and negative. Yeah. So I just go down that path and come back. And you just you just want you know you have to love it. And I I would I don't like to work for people because I want to make all the decisions. And when they're wrong, then I own them. But I like to make more than you. If I can make a hundred and you only make sixty, and we both have twenty percent error rate, I'm always in the lead, and I always can make it up. Uh, the other advice, the last bit of advice I gave in not working with my daughter on this is, you don't have all day to make decisions. You better make them quick. You better assimilate information as fast as you can. And you'll be wrong sometimes. Mm -hmm. But you can't spend three or four days when you have the internet and the computers. and quick. Yeah. yeah. You, be decisive. You, exactly. So wow. that'd be it. Well, I, I want to thank you for being on our show today, your words of wisdom. I want my listeners to please listen in to Radio Wilder, a podcast, RadioWilder.com, to Harry Slale, hopefully coming to your screen so you can actually see you, that you have a voice and a face, you know, voice for radio and a face <laughs> for television, too, as a wonderful character. I'm going to switch gears. We talked about your career in music and business and intertwined. We have in studio the other part of the spectrum, my son Jason in utero, who's dancing to the beat of the bass uh, <laughs> when I was six months pregnant with him. And Jason, welcome back. You were on our previous show before, but as you list in here, you, it's all about the bass with you. As a child, you had the love for classic rock and Motown. Yeah. You started freelancing at 16. The music has taken you all over the world. Uh, one of the things you love to tell people when you interviewed for your MBA position, you're currently at University of Minnesota getting your MBA. What was the question that the interviewer asked you? Well, first of all, sure. welcome. And well, it's good being back on the show. Last you, time we were in here um, was actually with the band that I used to tour with. So it's good to be back here. That was our first uh, season. Capacity. It was the Icondola band. That's and right. we're talking about your music. Bluegrass music and being on tour. Cool. That was 2012. But, um, amazing. But That's amazing. Tell us about that, sure. that interview question. Sure. So, you know, I'm going into this business style interview. And I've got all the typical questions rehearsed. You know, go through the resume, what would you do in this situation, what kind of leader. And there was one question that really kind of caught me off guard. After we uh, were going through these questions, the interviewer looks at me and she says, now we're going to be testing to see how well you can think on your feet and how you can present. And I'm thinking, oh man, on the one hand, I do this all the time as a bass player. We improvise and someone changes the key and you got to keep up with them. So. I felt confident about that, but I had no clue what she was going to ask me. So she looks at me and she says, I just need you to take a few moments and I want you to think about what is one thing you want to tell me about? And you're going to have a two minute time frame, time you, you can talk about anything you want for two minutes. And right at that moment, something just sprang into my mind, this idea that I'd been thinking through. And what I said is, you know, I'm ready to go. Here's what my idea is. She was a little shocked. She, she was going to offer me some <laughs> prompts, you know. I said, I don't need any prompts, you know. I said, what I want to talk about is how being a bass player relates to being a good manager and a business person. Because I've worked in the business world and I've also toured bass, so I want to talk about that. And she looked a little surprised. And what I told her is that there's three things, and I'll, I'll try to keep them brief. Well, one is... As a bass player, you got to be a good listener. 
So we talked about how if you're in the rhythm instrument, you got to back up, you got to be able to play with the drums. You also got to know what the guitar player is doing. When they're playing a solo, you can't be goofing off, distracting from them, right? You don't want the attention to go off of. So you got to be able to listen well. And in business, you got to listen to your customers, you got to listen to your employees. And you can't think that you always know what that answer is. So that's, you got an artful job there. Second piece is you got to be able to think big picture thinking, which in business he calls strategy, right? But what do we need to be doing here? And as a bass player, you're really marrying what's going on with the rhythms and the drums, and you're marrying what's going on with the guitar and with the vocals, so you can play off of what's going on. But you gotta have an idea of where it's going if we're gonna speed up, if we're gonna slow down. The last piece is, in the midst of doing all this, you gotta be humble, right? So, uh, you know, there's different kinds of leaders in there, but, but I'm more of a leader. I wanna be able to empower my team um, and in the role that I was in where I was managing customer service teams, I knew that the best results and feedback would come from them. So in that sort of position, you kind of sit back. And a bass player, they just sit back. You know, they're kind of not in the spotlight. They're hanging out with the drummer. They're just, you know, goofing around. The chicks kind of like them because they're playing the guitar, but they're not really sure what, what that is. <laughs> what do you do as a bass This is a big guitar with four strings on it. But, um, but it's, it's a little bit of an unappreciated role, but it's just a good role to be in and it's a really fulfilling place. And they need you, which is yeah. perfect. And you got the position so, in yeah, Minnesota. Exactly. So I got a scholarship and they Amen. allowed me in. So I think it went well. Answer. Yeah, it was fun. So good we're going to take a little break here from Jason Stevens on Dr. Connie Housecalls telling about his journey in medicine, in medicine, in music <laughs> and business. And we'll take a break and come back to the sound of music. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. We all have unique experiences and outlooks when it comes to leadership and team building, yet sometimes we clash, even when trying to achieve the exact same goals. Check out Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. Your host is Dr. Cass Henry. A shared journey equals success, and every human interaction has the power to achieve this success by working together. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. 
Welcome back to our last show of the year, of the season. I'm blessed to have Jason Stevens, who is actually the son of the White House doctor, if you want to go by that title. Jason was on our first show in 2012 as a member of the Christian band Ikendolo Group. And since then, he's journeyed to work at Target headquarters in Minneapolis and then applied for an MBA. And he is currently in the process of earning his MBA at the University of Minnesota. And so he knows all about cold weather. He just talked about his, uh, how he decided to go into bass and music and his interview. Can you tell us how that journey has brought you? Was there a time you wanted to be a professional musician, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think for me, I graduated in 2011 with a business degree. I kind of dabbled around. I got a real estate license. Uh, I worked for the family business and private practice uh, part-time. But I always found myself getting back and playing with my friends, whether I was playing at church, whether I was playing in bars, doing cover gigs. I always found that was a really fun place to be. And so I took a little bit of a risk. I was uh, 23 years old, uh, still amidst the recession, and uh, didn't have a full-time job. And it applied to work for Fender, which is the largest, it's just this epic guitar company. Everyone plays a Fender. And I had applied for a Fender job. I got the offer, and the same week, there was a band that I'd been playing with, and they said, you know what? We've got an opening for a bass player. Our bass player just moved to Canada with his family. Are you interested in touring with us? We're gonna go on the road for a week in California. It was, a, it was a Christian band, so it's church gigs, nothing too racy here. But um, they said, we don't know where it's going to lead to, but it could lead to you coming on full time. We have a full rigorous touring schedule. So if you do well, you might be able to. So I, I thought to myself, you know, do I want to go the corporate route? It's a job. I've been waiting for a job a year and a half. Or am I going to just take the plunge? No clue where it's going to go and play music. Well, I think you know which one I chose. So I ended up playing with that band. That week-long tour went really well. And I still remember to this day, there is a uh, guitar teacher I was taking lessons from. And uh, I asked him this question right when I was at the crossroads. And he said, you know what? Not very often in life do you get asked to go on a tour with someone. When you get to my age, it's not going to happen as much. You're going to have responsibilities. You can always get a corporate job. You're going to kick yourself. You need to take this touring route, even though you don't know where it's going to go. And that was probably some of the best advice I've ever gotten. What did you learn when you were touring with them? Oh, boy. Well, um, you learn a lot about dealing with conflict. <laughs> I think when you're stuck on the road with people, um, we were in a bus for a month one time. We played in, oh, gosh, 26 shows in a 29-day period all over the East Coast and the South. And we, you know, sometimes you just kind of get at each other's nerves. I won't name any names. <laughs> you <laughs> stay friends with There are some moments where, you know, we're all just tired. We've been on the road. We haven't been sleeping well. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, you really got to learn how to deal with people when you're really tired and when you're really hungry. And I get hangry. So yeah, I think hungry, they kind angry. of figured hangry, out they would, they would bring granola bars to me when we'd be sound yeah, checking because they'd say I'm not smiling quite as much. Yeah. You need to, so I learned a lot about how you kind of take care of yourself and how you get along with people because you got to be a good hang. It's what they call it. You got to be able to do well with people more so than just playing your instrument. You got to be able to hang with people. So what brought you back to the corporate world, to companies, instead yeah. of being full-time musician? You know, I think for me it was... I felt like I wanted a little more of a challenge. You know, it's great playing music, but I found myself playing kind of the same old 15, 20 songs every night. And I wanted some variety. I wanted something a little bit more, uh, you know, I wanted something that was going to scare me that I wasn't sure if I could do. Mm -hmm. And so I decided I wanted to go into the working world, but still keep playing music. I still, we played a lot of really fun gigs after that. I still play music. I think that it, it's, uh, pardon the pun, it's an instrumental part of my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it really kind of keeps me sane. And yeah. there's some days when, you know, you mentioned business is tough, you're having a frustrating situation, you can go home and you can plug in your instrument and listen to some music, it takes you back and you can just jam. Yeah. And there's just so much um, relief there. You always so have therapy. your music, right? Yeah, you and always, it's free. Yeah. It's, there's, there's very few hobbies that they can be free. Unless you're buying lots of guitars, which yeah, some people do. We can do that. So tell us about what you're doing now in, in business, your school. Yeah, so I just finished my first semester um, in a full-time MBA program. 
So uh, that's been a lot of work, a, long, a lot of late nights in the library, a lot of studying. And for me, it's just nice to have music because I'll listen to classical music. Uh, and they say that studies show that it mm-hmm. helps you do better at math if you've got classical synthesized, music. Synthesized, so yeah. I'm not, you're going to have to fact check that one. But, uh, you know, it's just been a really tough semester, but it's nice now. I've got a few weeks off. I get to recharge. And being down here in Arizona is fabulous with the weather and been enjoying every minute. So when you were in the business world, can you share with who you worked for and what you did? Sure. So I worked with Target Corporate. And we were working with Target.com. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about that is that Amazon actually ran that platform until 2013 or so. So we were, in a lot of ways, acting like a small startup mm. in this huge corporation. We had to figure out a lot of processes on our own. So it was a lot of growth, a lot of excitement. Essentially, we're handling complaints for Target.com. Oh, that feels And good. so I started off on the phones handling complaints <laughs> and then worked my way up to having my own 15-person customer care team doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And really fascinating work, lots of growth in that area, and lots of stories. So what stories come out right now from that experience? Does anything, one particular story comes to mind? Oh, boy. They're just so you many. You don't have to name names. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, I think the stories are... One of the best moments was getting to travel to the Philippines. We have some of our call centers in the Philippines, and as the listeners may know, you know, my grandparents are from the Philippines, and so it was really impactful for me to be able to travel on Target's dime and go to the Philippines for two weeks and do training, and then actually get to go to the province that my family's from. And I just felt a tremendous sense of gratitude and seeing um, really how much there is to be thankful for, and especially this time of year, there's so much to be thankful for. Yeah. You can always get down and think that there's more that you want out of this life for things to be different, but it gave, it kind of grounded me, being able to go back. You see a lot of poverty, a mm-hmm. lot of suffering. I remember when I was in the Philippines with President Clinton, and we were in the motorcade going down the streets of Manila, and I'm inside the spare limo, and I'm looking out the window, and these little kids would come out, and they were beggars, and they would touch the glass, the armored, you know, the, the thick glass of the, the spare limo, and they touch it, and I touch it. And I said, if not by the grace of God, I'm on this side, I'm not on that side of the glass. And to be f- so blessed and to be, to be grateful for that. And I think you brought up a point. This is the season of, of hope, but also, also gratitude and counting our blessings. And I think people get angry and bitter because they forget to count their blessings and really how fortunate they are. So before we close the show in a few minutes, I, I want to pause and just Harry Harry's still here in studio with us you think back what what are you grateful for this year uh, I'm grateful for family I'm grateful for uh, what I what I've tried to do in the last two or three years is there's only so much love you have to or that I have to go around and I found myself maybe with different people where you had a medium output of emotion versus shortening that group and tighten it up and just in your family so you can pass out more love to the people that you really do care about. Mm-hmm. It's nothing negative about people that, hey, how's it going, whatever, but time is always of the essence and yeah. it's always, you never have enough time. Anybody that knows me, know I'm a master of time. I am. I mean, I'm on time, guarding time, looking to time and I tell people all the time, I mean, it just goes and goes. So yeah. I'd rather spend it with them. So that's what I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed to have a great group of friends, a great, wonderful family. As you said, my daughter, my son-in-law, my wife, and probably 10 or 15 people that are very close to me, and that's what I'm grateful for. Wow. How about you, Jason? Your mother. Yeah. <laughs> Do I have to say that? No, I'm just joking. Of course I am. Uh, for my family, um, and also just being up in Minnesota, I have a wonderful support system up there. Uh, I'm in a relationship, so I would say a uh, shout out to Aaliyah. Um, she has we been there her. through me not knowing which grad school I was <laughs> going to go to, which could have brought me to California. She was there through this last semester, and I understand with the time piece because there's just not enough of minutes in the day. Yeah. And so just how understanding <laughs> she's been in this whole process and the rest of my friends in Minnesota, too, just been so supportive of me in this time and given me so much grace when I've been tired or when I haven't been wanting to do something and maybe the winter has bogged me down, but you can still go back and you can still be thankful for those people. And I think that's really wise what you said is that, uh, you know, you want to 
keep that circle tight and really focus on the quality of that, those relationships rather than trying to spread it out everywhere and then not leaving enough for the people that matter most. You know, it, it is the, it's the aspect of how precious time is. That's all we have. And you don't want to waste it being bitter and angry. You want to spend it right. I look back at my practice year. I have about 325 patients. I lost four people in my practice year. I've known them for over 13 years. And they died from natural causes, obviously. But to lose them, every, every holiday season, there was one particular lady God bless her, she, she was a chronic smoker and she died of lung failure. So every holiday season, every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, she would call me because her lungs would fail and we'd have to put her in the hospital. And this is the first year Thanksgiving and Chris, Christmas, she doesn't make that call. And I really miss her. I really miss her. But I know that they're in another special place. And I'm grateful for so many things for all the opportunities I've been given. I mean, I was born in the Philippines. I, I you know, didn't know there was the United States. I mean, my father brought me over. He was very poor. And all the things we've been given, all the opportunities that fall my way, and I, I always believe they're divinely mandated. I'm So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for an amazing family, a wonderful, loving husband who's supportive. Shout out to John Weber. Uh, two incredible sons, Andrew Stevens, a beautiful, loving daughter-in-law who's the wonderful mother to my three precious grandchildren who I, I never knew how much fun. I loved have, I love having children. I didn't know how good it would be to have grandchildren. I should have had the grandchildren first, perhaps, but they are just <laughs> the best thing. Absolutely. I love spoiling them rotten. I love Addie, Alex, and Bree. And a wonderful son, Jason, very talented, sympathetic, talented, kind, loving. And I have close friends who I have many patients who are dear friends heck I married one of my patients I mean you know if I had to confess I married one of them but but I have such deep wonderful loving friends and we grow old together that we can grow old together and have memories and look back at life and when you look back on things that made you so angry or upset way back then what's the big deal anymore you know my dad who died at 94 this year all those things that bothered him, who cares? You know, he's in a better place. He has a good place in life. So as the listeners out there prepare for the holidays, think of the, the three Fs. I call them your faith, your family, and your friends because they truly are your fortune because they're the people who make this life so precious and worth living. But also give thanks for all the things in your life. And, and one of the things to prevent anxiety or depression is you can count three things every day for which you're grateful. You'll live a better life. And I also think if you just reach out and try to be kinder to your fellow man or fellow woman, anybody you encounter, if you just give them a little kindness, it can go a long way into making this a wonderful world. So we're going to wrap it up now for our holidays and I wish you a Merry Christmas and we'll see you in 2019. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week.